Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? This week, I am joined by the professor. No, not the one from Gilligan's Island, but Paul Westfall. No, not the basketball coach and basketball player. The legendary announcer, Paul Westfall. Paul, thank you for taking the time here to talk to me about the basketball playoffs. How are you? I'm well, sir. Thanks very much for the invite. How did you get started in announcing? Well, I when I went to college, I went to college to uh, teach high school and be a coach and, and thought I would use my sports background in that regard, and it didn't work out. And, and I got into my 30s and thought, you know, I have this passion for sports and I'm not doing a whole lot with it. So uh, I uh, took a couple of classes at, uh, at a local university on sports broadcasting and put together a demo tape and, and started to, trying to sell myself around and got a couple of gigs. And it, it all kind of started from there. And, and here you are many years later and you, you get the, the displeasure of having to have worked with, with me several times. And <laughs> I, I got to tell you, man, it's it's always a pleasure to see you out at a game, uh, and and to work with you. Well, thanks, and and truly for for all your listeners, the pleasure is is mine. Uh, I think we have a, a tremendous time and a great rapport when we do have the uh, uh, chance to work together. But yeah, thirty one years later, uh, who would have thunk it? You know, I'm still. I'm still calling games in one manner or another and still enjoying every second of it. And throwing out Caddyshack references, right? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Well, let's let's get started with the playoffs. They obviously start tonight. So some teams are going to be very happy. Some teams are not going to be happy after tonight. Let us start with the big boy division, the open division. Eight teams two pools. Everybody plays each other in the pool and it's a round robin. And then the two winners of those pools meet February 28th, the Cal state long beach. We've got Sierra Canyon, St. John Bosco at Wanda St. Anthony in one bracket, Corona Centennial, modern day Rancho Christian, Harvard Westlake. Did the committee get it right with these eight? Yeah. Yeah. I think they did. And I'm, I'm generally a, a large critic of the college football uh, way of doing things. I don't think they ever get it right. But I think the CIF Southern Section Open Division Committee, which I think is a group of people that meet in a real dark room and they all wear masks 
and uh, and they come up with these eight teams. But I really do. I think they got it exactly right, including the uh, number of home games, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think in a very difficult year where I think there might have been as many as 12 to 14 teams that had real uh, realistic aspirations to be open division teams, I think they got the right eight. So let, let's start at the top. Let's, I, you know, can anybody beat Sierra Canyon, number two ranked nationally, number one in the state? I'll just throw out some stuff. They played Rancho Christian twice, who is also in the open division. They are in the other bracket. They split their, their meetings. They lost to them by four and then beat them by 16. And they also played Etiwanda, who they beat by four. What is it going to take to beat this team loaded with all-stars? Well, I think you're going to have to have a team that really likes to defend, and I mean defend man-to-man, because with the uh, midseason addition for Sierra Canyon of Zaire Williams, who is probably one of the five best seniors in America, um, that I think it makes them impossible to be zoned. Uh, they have two outstanding shooters, one on each side of the floor in, in Zaire Williams and Brandon Boston, uh, who's on his way to, to Kentucky. And I think if you try to zone them, it won't last very long because those two guys will shoot you right out of it. But uh, a team like an Etiwanda, a team like a Corona Centennial, a team even like a Rancho Christian, who when they are on their A game can really get after you defensively. And nobody defends quite like Dave Kleckner's Etiwanda uh, team and and then Josh Giles' Centennial team, which is, I think, the surprise team of the entire season. Both of those teams feature intense man-to-man defense. And I think that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to make Sierra Canyon uncomfortable because when they're allowed to just run and jump and dunk and have a good old time, they're going to whack you. But I think, I think there's teams out there that can give Sierra Canyon a game. I've seen Sierra Canyon many times this year, and some nights they, they don't bring their A game. And if you can make them, you know, just feel a little bit, take them out of their comfort zone a bit, I think they're beatable. How has Andre Chevalier done it with all of that talent, with all of those kids that just, you know, today's athlete, basketball player, they want to score um, I don't know any of the young men on that team. I've not been around it. You have. But how has he done such a good job getting them to share the basketball? Well, we had him as our guest on our KDOC TV tip-off show. And that's the first question I asked Andre before the season even you know got pretty much underway. I said, how are you going to manage the minutes? There's only so many minutes in a game. And you've probably got nine guys that could start most anywhere else. And he said, you know, Paul, this team really likes each other. He said, it's not an issue who starts, who comes off the bench. It's not an issue if you play 25 minutes or 10 minutes. And I thought, well, that's just coach speak. But it has proven to be the case. We've done a number of Sierra Canyon games on KDOC. And these guys root for each other. And they're fine coming out of the game, even if a guy's got a, a hot streak going and, and Andre pulls him for, for one reason or another. Uh, this team doesn't seem to have issues with that, which I think is probably as remarkable a thing as you know, Tony, being around young players, both you know, in, you know, a couple decades ago and today. I think the difference is trying to manage egos of elite players. And Andre's done a, an amazing job of that so far. 
And they they obviously they beat Etiwanda by four back in December. Uh, can anybody beat them in your opinion from what you've seen of them? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, the Etiwanda game's a bit of an outlier because it was before the thirty day sit out period ended. So both teams added a, a high Division One player. Uh, Sierra Canyon added Zaire Williams, as I mentioned, and then Etiwanda added Jalen Clark, a transfer from Corona Centennial who is on his way to UCLA and is a big-time college player. So the the dynamic of that matchup when they meet on the 21st will be a little bit different, but the philosophies of the two teams are the same. Kleckner's team is going to get in your face and defend, and they're going to try to keep the game in the 50s and low 60s, and Sierra Canyon just wants to get out, get the game in the open court, run and jump and dunk and score in the 80s. So whoever can impose their will in that one, I think you might. I think you might see a possible upset if Etiwanda is able to control tempo. St. John Bosco. I'm just going to go through a couple of things here. They lost to St. Anthony by nine. Then they beat them by six about a week apart. They lost to Rancho Christian. They lost to Etiwanda. They split with Modern Day. They lost to two teams in their bracket. Does that give anybody an advantage out of the three of those teams? You know, I don't think so. I think these these kids today play so much AAU ball against each other. The elite players do, and, and anybody in the open division has a number of elite players. But I got to ask Matt Dunn of St. John Bosco, who makes your schedule? Because of all the teams in the open division, they played the most games against those teams. They went two and four in the open division during the, the regular season. And, it's, and I'm thinking, who's scheduled six games against the open division uh, but th- I think that'll help Bosco a little bit. What I worry about St. John Bosco in that opening round against Sierra Canyon is they've had trouble scoring in the last month. And and I think, you, you know, Sierra Canyon is going to force you to, to put the ball in the basket if you're going to keep up. And so I think I think that's a tough draw for St. John Bosco. Uh, I think there are some other games I- I- of, the, uh, of the four that are going to be played in the first round that are – uh, a little more of, of a toss-up than that one. Yeah, I I think that Bosco's got a tough draw as well. Why do you think that? Well, I think lately, over the last month or so, they've had a lot of trouble scoring the basketball. And I think that uh, against Sierra Canyon, you better be prepared at least uh, to put 65, 70, maybe more up if you're going to run up and down. And, and Bosco likes to run up and down. So I think that's uh, of the four games in the open division first round, I think that's the one that might be the easiest to predict. I think the other three are pretty close to toss-ups. Uh, so should be some interesting games in round one. Do you think Bosco's length can present a problem for Sierra Canyon? Because they are pretty tall. Yes. Yeah, for the first time in a while, Matt Dunn played last year with a bunch of guys that were 6'5 and under. And this year he's got uh, probably five guys that are are 6'8 and they have long arms. And I've seen them play really well, and then I've seen them play not so well. And so I, I'm not sure what the key to them playing well is, but but certainly having uh, baseline length will will make things a little bit more difficult for Sierra Canyon. I just worry about in transition before the big guys get down there, Sierra Canyon likes to run even when even when it's uh, two on two, three on three, they don't have to have a man advantage to want to go to the front of the rim. If it's three on three, Sierra Canyon believes that they have a man advantage because of the talent disparity. When you've got guys like Boston and Williams and Amari Bailey 
you know, coming at you in waves, uh, they don't need to have a man advantage to score on you in the open court. Well, when you mention those names, no matter who they go up against, they have a man advantage. Yes, yes. That's the if the, if it was a three on three contest, I'm not sure who would who would challenge Sierra Canyon. Maybe the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the Clips and the Lakers. But but yeah, that's. A, that's a... Here, I'm just spitballing here, Paul. Now, Etowan, a couple of losses on the year uh, to Heritage Christian by a point to Sierra Canyon by four, and they beat Bosco by three. So there's a lot of familiarity with Etiwanda and their opponents. Yes, and and I think it's year after year, I think Dave Kleckner gets the most out of his players of any coach in Southern California. Uh, you don't see a lot of elite players transfer into Etiwanda. That doesn't happen a lot. Uh, he gets his kids from the time that they're freshmen and, and grooms them so when they're seniors, they totally understand the Etiwanda way. And this is a team that probably has the best defensive principles of any team year after year that you're going to see. I mean, he doesn't care if you're a 30-point game scorer. If you don't guard people, you're going to sit next to coach and you're not going to play. And that takes a special kind of player in today's basketball. And that's why I think Etiwanda, I, I wouldn't sell their chances short. Uh, against Sierra Canyon, if it both comes down where they're both 2-0 and uh, going into that game, and that one is for the right to go to the final, uh, don't don't look past Etiwanda. I think Kleckner does the best job year after year of, of anybody around. And then the St. Anthony Saints, they beat Bosco, or their two losses are to Bosco and to Sarah of Gardena, both by six points. What do we know about the St. Anthony Saints from Long Beach? I love this team. We had a chance. We did the game against Bosco where they where Bosco beat them on KDOC. And and Alan Kavnis has brought this team. They were Division Four three years ago. And suddenly they're in the open division. Oh, and he, same sort of thing as Kleckner. And that's why I think the first one to 50 in that Etowanda St. Anthony game might win. Because both these teams, uh, Alan Kavnis has done a marvelous job of instilling defensive toughness. Uh, this team gets after you. They're going to press you the length of the court and every basket you're going to earn. And the only problem with St. Anthony is they don't have a ton of shot makers. They've got a, an exciting young man named Jadon Jones, who's uh, committed to go to Long Beach State. And he's probably their most consistent scorer. But there will be times when they will go a few minutes without being able to put the ball in the basket. And uh, that might prove to be a problem against you know, teams as good as, as the open division, but I like this team a lot. Uh, I think he's done a magnificent job of, of building a program there at St. Anthony and they're not going away. They're going to be good for years to come, but they're physically and mentally tough. And, and you better, you better make sure that you're going to meet that toughness eye to eye or, or they're going to beat you with their physicality. Now, let's, let's take a look at Pool B, which has Corona Centennial, Modern Day, Harvard, Westlake, and Rancho Christian. Corona Centennial, nationally ranked number four, number two in the state. They beat Modern Day by 10 early in the year. They beat Rancho Christian, but they lost to Harvard, Westlake. You mentioned how good a job they've been doing down there, and they are the surprise team. Why are they such a surprise? Well, everybody thought, after last season where they lost to Sierra Canyon in the playoffs, that they would really be a factor because everybody was coming back. 
except three of their starters from last year transferred out. So then all of us, and I use this term loosely, experts thought it might be an average year for Coach Giles and Corona Centennial because he only had one starter, Paris Dawson, that returned. And he's playing a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Well, he I just talked to him this morning and because we've got Centennial and Modern Day this week on, on KDOC. And, and he told me, he said, Paul, he said, everybody bought in. Uh, all the young guys bought into, they plays 10 guys. They press end to end, as is always Centennial style. And so he's always got fresh legs out there and people don't care who scores the basketball. They share the ball. They defend like madmen. And Paris Dawson is the leader of this team. He's going to Portland State, but I think he's got Pac-12 ability. He's probably the most under-recruited guy in in Southern California. But he's their leader. But they've got a freshman named Jared McCain who is a lights-out shooter. He made nine threes a couple of games ago en route to 37 points, and he's a freshman. And he is all that. And so if they get you playing fast like they want to play, and you get kind of discombobulated and turn it over a few times, you might think that you're keeping up by making baskets. And then all of a sudden you look at, and they've gone on a, on a 14 to six run or something. And you look up and you're down 10 because they're playing a hundred miles an hour. Wow. And, and they get modern day who they beat early in the year. They beat them by 10 Gary McKnight. I believe when I saw it today, six losses for the Monarchs unheard of in Santa Ana for uh, a Gary McKnight team. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, especially because last year when they played so well, losing to Sierra Canyon, they also lost to them in the playoffs. Uh, They had everybody coming back. So everybody I think thought modern day is going to be that much better this year because they returned their top six guys and they have size and they have shooters and they've got a point guard in Devin Askew, who I think is the best point guard that modern day's ever had. And that says a lot. And he's going to Kentucky. And and so you just thought, well, modern day is just going to, you know, they're going to have one of those 26 and two kind of seasons. And it just hasn't, it's the most puzzling team, I think, in the open division. Because when they're good, they're really good. And then some nights they're just not quite with the program. And I don't, I can't put my finger on it. But something on some nights, something's wrong there at modern day and maybe they'll just flip that switch and they'll win three games in the open division, all of them on the road, of course, as the seven seed. And maybe they'll get back to the final or, or maybe they'll, maybe they'll lose all three. It's hard to say. It's a helter skelter type team. Yes. Yes. They don't even look at times like they've, it looks like a, a group of guys that, that, you know, met at the beach, you know, and they're just playing a pickup game. And, and and other times they look like they could beat anybody, including Sierra Canyon. So I'll be really curious to see which modern day team shows up Friday night at Centennial. And then uh, Rancho Christian, 21 and five. They've played just about everybody. They split with Sierra Canyon. They lost to Centennial. They beat Bosco. What is it about this team that is seated number three? Well, uh, Ray Bearfield, one of my one of my good friends in coaching, because they're not in a league. They have to play a totally freelance schedule. And so Ray wanted to schedule as tough as he could find. And there's not a lot of teams calling Ray to schedule a game. So he took his team out of state a lot. They traveled a lot. But he's got the best player in the country in Evan Mobley. The young man in two years is going to be the number one or two 
pick in the NBA draft by most of our observations. Uh, a seven-footer with a 40-inch vertical leap. Uh, he's got skills of a 6'4 guard, except he's seven feet tall. And so anytime you've got an Evan Mobley on your team, you have a chance to win every game, but he's not the only guy who's any good. They've got a, a shooting guard named Dominic Harris who's going to Gonzaga. They've got a, a really nice a shooting forward named Luke Turner and a couple of pit bulls for guards. Uh, uh, Jaden Byers is one. Uh, they've, got, they've got guys who'll, who are tough mentally. And so I've seen Sierra, uh, Rancho Christian at their best can beat anybody, including Sierra Canyon, as they did. But then are not, there are nights when they're sort of disconnected. Uh, some nights they just don't get the ball. I would make it a mandate that every half court set, Evan Mobley touches the ball at least once. And sometimes they get a little shot happy and they sort of lose focus on the fact they have the best player in the country. But when they, when they are at their best, uh, I think they can beat anybody. Well, I would make it a point with somebody seven feet tall that's going to be in the NBA in a couple of years to go through him every single time. Exactly. It's sometimes it's just it's maddening, and I can't imagine what it's like for Coach Bearfield, because when you see that Evans had eighteen points and twelve rebounds, it's like how does he only have eighteen? You know, he should have twenty-five to forty every night. But if you don't throw him the ball. What's he supposed to do? Now, maybe he should just say, look, I, I'm, give me the ball. I'm, I'm a guy. Give me the ball. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of the guy, Mason Hooks, Harvard-Westlake. We saw them the other night against Chaminade. 6'10", probably 250. Young man looks like he could play either football or basketball, but he does a great job for the Wolverines uh, in the paint. Yeah. This is a they're as fun a team to watch for an old basketball junkie like me because it's old school basketball in a in an era of positionless basketball. This is a team that actually has a designated point guard in Spencer Hubbard and they have a two guard and they have a small forward and they have a power forward in Stone Gettings or excuse me in the Truman Gettings Stone's his brother at Arizona. Right. And then they have a, a true back-to-the-basket center in Mason Hooks. And it's like this – it looks like I've been been transported in time back to another era. But they run their stuff. They're really well coached. Dave Rabibo does a superb job of coaching them. Uh, they, they run a half-court offense that actually runs through the center position, which is so old school. It's, it's just great fun to watch. And so I think Harvard-Westlake's really dangerous because they'll get Rancho Christian in the first round, and then they'll get Centennial and, and then Modern Day. And I think they could beat any of them. But because they're a little, they're a little slow laterally against some of the more dynamic speed teams, I think they could have trouble in the open court defending some of these teams. But if they can get the tempo the way they want it and, and for, you know stop you from a lot of Oh, turnovers that result in, you know, live turnovers that result in two-on-ones and three-on-twos and that kind of thing. If, if Harvard-Westlake can control the number of times that, that fast break opportunities happen, boy, they're going to make you work for every basket, and they, they are marvelous at sharing the ball. Mason Hooks has improved so much this year from last year. He's going to Princeton, so, you know, he's a smart guy. But he's, I think he has turned into a marvelous true center in an age where we don't have too many of those left. And you mentioned that they play the traditional back to the basket with hooks, a one guy, a two guy. 
does that maybe present problems defensively for teams who are so used to defending the fast break and the one on four, try and draw the double and dump the ball because, and, and they are so traditional. Yep. I, that's well said. And I think that's exactly why they give teams that are maybe faster or jump higher or run, you know, whatever. I think that's why they give them trouble because they, they oftentimes, they seldom shoot after the first pass in the half court. And in today's game, you either see dribble, 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 create for myself or one pass and somebody launches and, and Harvard Westlake, they, uh, they'll pass it three, four, five times. They'll run their cuts. They'll screen off the ball. You see all of this, you know, uh, this mechanism at work. And then all of a sudden somebody pops out and has an open look. And it's like, wow, that's, that's really fun to watch if you're a basketball purist. And, and it's just, it's, it was, we watched them beat Chaminade on KDOC in the, uh, in the mission league final and Chaminade's a very good team that we'll talk about later. But I think where the game was won was that Harvard Westlake was better in the half court. Very, very much so. And, 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 you know, Simpson had a, had a, I think he had 27 points, but they really did a good job bottling up those guards for Chaminade. Yeah. Yeah. He's got good wing players, uh, Dotton and McCray and thrower. Those guys are all about the same size and, and they're very good, uh, perimeter defenders. So I think they I think they match up in an interesting fashion against all of the three teams in their pool. Uh should be fun. Right, we're going to take a break right now and uh pay the bills. Uh, we'll be <laughs> right back after this. Breaking news. This important public service announcement is brought to you by manscape.com. The brand new trimmer, the best on the market, the third generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is now available for purchase. The leading cutting-edge ceramic blade prevents manscaping accidents. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BLEAV. And as always, your balls will thank you. Paul Westfall joining me on my podcast this week talking high school basketball playoffs, Paul. The open division we've run through. Let's talk about Division One. Do you think Division One is slightly watered down because of the open division? A lot of these teams probably wouldn't have made the playoffs if not for the open. Yeah, I think that's a that's an unfortunate byproduct of of this new system. I mean, I like what CIF Southern Section has done. I think in order to get the the best of the best, you have to sort of separate the elite teams. I think this year they could have really gone to 16 teams, which was the way the open division began. They had 16 of them. And then they realized that they saw some mismatches with the one against 16 and two against 15 type of thing in the first few years. So they cut it down to eight. But this year, I think there were enough quality teams that you could have had a 16 team open division bracket. But because you did not, I think that still leaves a lot of really good teams in Division One. I. I mean, I, I think there's probably oh, four or five that clearly could win the thing, and I and I don't think any of us would be too surprised. Well, you look at, at uh, the top ten. We'll we'll go through five or six: Winward, Riverside, Poly, Damian, Jay, Sarah, Bishop, Montgomery. Three teams have a buy, and I was a little perplexed by who drew the buy. Mayfair. 16 and 11, they get a buy. 
Valencia of Valencia, a very, very down foothill league, in my opinion. They get a bye. Riverside Poly, justifiably, they're ranked number two in the CIF poll. They get a bye. Any insight as to why two of those teams got a bye? Yeah, it has to do with whether you're a league champion or not. And uh, even though Winward is ranked number one, they have the unfortunate task of playing in Sierra Canyon's league. And so they are not a league champion, although I think most of us agree they are the most talented team left in Division One. They were on the open Division watch list the entire season, and they stubbed their toe against Brentwood in league, and I think that took care of any open division aspirations. But because they're not a league champion, they don't get a bye, even though they're at the top of the bracket, which is a little strange. I think they might want to revisit that policy in years to come. But uh, that Windward team, don't feel too sorry for them. That Windward team's really good. Well, if they they continue on, they get Loyola opening round, then they get the winner of Cypress, Orange Lutheran, and then if Mayfair makes it through the winner of Beverly Hills, Camarillo, they will see each other. And Mayfair was in a championship game last year, so I'm not going to sell them short either. Oh, no. Anytime you have the best player in the division on your team, much like Evan Mobley in the open division, uh, Mayfair's got Josh Christopher who's a McDonald's All-American and is the best player in that Division One bracket. They've also got a really exciting guard who transferred in from New York by way of Findlay Prep named Dior Johnson. Between Christopher and Johnson, they average about 55 to 60 points per game. Uh, with those two, you know, Tony, if you've got two good players and three role players, you can win a lot of games. And uh, Mayfair, yeah, don't let that record deceive you. They played a national schedule because they had Josh Christopher and they wanted to show him around the country. Uh, a lot of those losses came out of state. And so I think I think that's what I have in my little mini bracket. I've got Winward and Mayfair in the quarters, and that should be a absolute barn burner. And then, you know, you look at Riverside Poly, 23 and 5, Damian, 21 and 7, Jay Sarah, 21 and 7. I, you know, the, the, you look at Jay Sarah, it's the Trinity League with, with Bosco and Modern Day, two teams in the open division. I, I'm not going to sell them short either. It seems like they can make a run deep into these playoffs. Well, the key to Jay Sarah will be the health of their outstanding two guard, Ian Martinez. He's on his way to Utah. And he is legit. I actually think he's an, he's an NBA player of the future. But he suffered a hip pointer in the first modern day game where they got clobbered by modern day. And he has he missed the next four or five games. But I'm talking to Coach Keith Wilkinson. He's been cleared to play. He's going to play. He's going to give it his best shot. And if he's anything close to the Ian Martinez that is Pac-12 caliber, you know, uh, as a freshman next year, um, I think Jay Sarah could make a run, but if he's not at 100%, I don't think the Lions have the firepower to keep up with the dynamic offenses that are in the rest of that division. Uh, Riverside Poly's got a tremendous backcourt in Lamont Butler and DJ Davis, who transferred in from Corona Centennial. Uh, they, those guys could light it up. And then Damian, I don't know if anybody shoots it as well as Damian in the, in the Southland. Uh, Mike LaDuke's a great coach, and they've got a tremendous player in junior Malik Thomas, along with a, a terrific junior point guard in uh, Chris Nickelberry. They are really perimeter-oriented. I don't think Damian's got a guy over about six foot five, but you know today's basketball, if you make enough threes, you win. 
and Damien's got the capability of making 15 to 20 threes on any given night. And it seems a lot of people are going to the, the, the small ball, not with the traditional big guy back to the basket type thing, you know, not to jump into the NBA, but we saw with the Houston Rockets the other night against the Lakers where they just went with a bunch of small guys and ran and put up threes because I, even I know this, Paul, three is more than two. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to, to comprehend that. But I have to say, I've, I've, I understand that concept now. But yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the way the game is going. Even the bigs today want to shoot the three ball. Every seven foot kid thinks he's Kevin Garnett or, you know, uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki. You know, they all want to just launch threes. But even if so, if you don't have those guys, well, then you might as well. The analytics tell you you might as well you might as well shoot threes. And and so many teams have embraced that philosophy. I mean, you see teams that launch, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40 threes in a in a high school game. That's kind of nuts, but it, it works if if you've got enough guys that can shoot it. And then it makes it very tough to defend because if I have multiple guys that can shoot it. Now you have to extend your defense out there. Now it kind of opens things up for if I have a semi-legitimate big man to take advantage of one-on-one opportunities, or if I open it up, maybe I have somebody that could take somebody off the dribble. Boy, that that is exactly right, and and that's uh, that uh, is an example of a team we'll talk about when we get to uh, two double A uh, Notre Dame. Uh, that we watched them play on KDOC against Chaminade and uh, and Notre Dame. Uh, gosh, oh no, Notre Dame's in Division One. Sorry, that's my mistake. Uh, watch out for that team. They shoot forty threes a game, and what that does is what you just talked about. That opens the floor so wide that they've got a couple of guys that can drive it to the basket, and with that kind of driving lanes, it's hard to guard that much space out there. But once again, you got to make them. But uh, the teams that can shoot something close to 35% from three, they're hard to guard. Well, and I love Schaltzberg from Notre Dame. I think he he's only a sophomore, but what a fantastic player. About 6'5", can shoot it, can dribble it, can drive it. A very good passer as well. And we saw him against Chaminade uh, last Monday night. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that whole team. And I like that philosophy that Matt Sargent has brought to that team. Uh, that the 6'5 the freshman point guard, Dusty Stromer, is a major high uh, Division One player by the time he gets done. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a sense for the game that, that belies the fact that he's a freshman. And being 6'5 and can shoot and handle it, but uh, yeah, I like Schultzberg a lot. Uh, this is a team that that I think is going to be dangerous because it's that Paul Westhead style of play, where they're going to tire you out. You might think that running up and down like that, you're you're keeping up and you're you know you're matching them basket for basket. And then at some point, about midway through the third quarter, a lot of these kids are gassed, and Notre Dame's just hitting their stride. Now there are nights when the ball doesn't go in the basket, and they lose by twenty. But if, if they're making shots, uh, I think whoever they run into better be prepared. They better bring their track shoes because Notre Dame's going to run even after made baskets a la Loyola Marymount back in the day. And those were some fun times. Let's jump into Division Two AA. Santa Clarita Christian with a whole bunch of transfers. Heritage Christian, St. Bernard's, Rolling Hills Prep, Chaminade, Oak Park, St. Francis, uh, you know, um, Rolling Hills Prep, 25-2. and two. 
They lost to Chaminade by two. Oak Park, Clark Slaycheck, 30 points a game. Their two losses are to Providence and Fairfax. And St. Francis with Andre Henry and Gallant, who lit up, you know, the other night in the Mission League semifinals. I think this is anybody's bracket. Oh, that's that is I agree 100%. If I wasn't going to be busy being at open division games so much, I would be parked in 2AA because I honestly believe there are eight, maybe 10 different teams that could win that division. They have 13 league champions in that bracket. Yeah, that's that's, ridiculous. That's insane. And and so yeah, you're right. The teams you mentioned are loaded. Uh, I like that Santa Clarita Christian team a lot. They've played a very difficult schedule and held their own uh, with you know wins against Rancho Christian and Heritage Christian. And even in their losses, they've hung tough. Uh, Ty Harper, Caden Starr, these are these are you know Division One players. But the team I really like in that division and uh, could eat my words, they could lose in the second round. But I like this Heritage Christian team. Um, they, Sky Clark uh, is probably one of the best sophomores on the West Coast. Uh, they got a transfer in from Bishop Gorman named Max Allen, who's a beast at six eight and a wide body. Uh, they've got they got four or five guys that score in double figures. Uh, they've got a win over Etowanda. Uh, plus, they they play fast. Uh, so I, I I I look at that division, but it, it, there's so many good teams. Saint Bernard comes out of that difficult Del Rey League with Saint Anthony and Bishop Montgomery, who I didn't mention in D one. Watch out for Bishop Montgomery. Just a quick aside. Uh, Doug Mitchell is one of the best coaches around, and of their ten losses, Bish Montgomery, seven of them are are by less than five points. So uh, don't sell the Knights of Bish Montgomery short just because they're not in the open division this year. But getting back to to St. Bernard, this is a team that hasn't had all their guys every game this year, and they're still twenty one and six. So uh, I think they're they're going to be a tough out just due to that league. I like I know you feel the same about the Mission League that I do. You know when you play like in the Del Rey and the Trinity and the Mission League, every game's a war. So it makes you tournament ready, you know, long before the playoffs start. Uh, but watch out for, for, God, watch out for Chaminade. I know you like those two guards. I do too. Yeah. Uh, playoffs are oftentimes guard-oriented games. And Simpson and Higgins, uh, that's quite a pair. And then you throw Eagle in the middle at 6'10". And if Weems gets hot from the outside, putting up threes – that is a very, very scary team. Yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I could see them winning that whole thing. And and the other team that I think is kind of sneaky good because they've been sort of under the radar is old Harvey Katani there at Rolling Hills Prep. Uh, JT Tan and, and Benny the Jet Geeler and Vaughn Flowers. Uh, they've only lost twice this year, and one of them was a two-point loss to Chaminade. So don't sell old crafty Harvey uh, short. Uh, he'll come up with something that you probably haven't seen and, and make life difficult for you. But uh, I, in my semis in that division, uh, I've got Shamanad uh, uh, against Santa Clarita Christian and St. Bernard against Heritage Christian uh, with Heritage Christian and Shamanad getting to the finals. And then I've got Heritage Christian prevailing in the end. And I might have missed all four of them. Because the, the division well, is it's not March Madness yet. You don't have to pick a 12 over a five seed yet. <laughs> but this is a division where that kind of a thing could happen. I mean, there are so many good teams that aren't ranked in the top 10. I mean, I look at a team like Fairmont Prep, who probably most people don't even know where Fairmont Prep is. 
and and they played a tough schedule and and they've got a couple of D1 guys. Uh, that's a team that could come out of nowhere and and beat a uh, a much better seeded team, and everybody would go, "Who's Fairmont Prep?" But there's there's a lot of talent in two double A. That that if you if you get a chance, if your listeners get a chance to go to a game close to their house, if it's in two double A, you know, uh, get on down to that local gymnasium. You won't be sorry. Well, out in La Cunata, you've got St. Francis La Cunata, and one school is about – they're right on top of each other, and I think they're going to walk to the game. You don't need any transportation. I think that's that's a fun game because it's – you don't get any more neighborhood than that. No, no, and gosh, and that's – sometimes CIF gets kind of kind of clever with that type of thing. And, and I think that that would be one to, uh, to go watch because, yeah, you can't talk about more of a neighborhood rivalry than that. And I love that St. Francis guard, oh. Andre Henry going to UCI. What a get for Russell Turner at UCI. I think Andre Henry is a Pac-12 caliber player, and he's going to play Big West basketball for UC Irvine. Wow, he's, he's going to be really good. And he's going to make somebody very happy. And, and Paul, I – you know, there are so many more divisions, so many more things to talk about. We could be here all night long. Eventually, we would get slap happy and throw in some Danny Noonan and Judge Smales references. And, and the listeners would be like, what in the name of the free world are these two talking about? This, this is probably the longest we've ever spoken to each other without uh, bantering about Caddyshack. But we'll, we'll make up for it next time. Absolutely, we will. Where are you going to be this week? We will be at Centennial on Friday. Uh, we got Modern Day at Centennial, and that that will be a war because those two teams have a history, and they don't like each other from football, and they don't like each other from basketball. So we think we've got uh, an absolute great game. And then Tuesday night, depending on what happens, of course, on Friday night, but on Tuesday night, we're going to have a special Tuesday night game. Uh, we're thinking about Modern Day uh, at Rancho Christian. But that could change to St. John Bosco at Etiwanda, depending on how things work out. But one thing about the open division pool play is you know who's going to play who ahead of time, and and uh, we get a chance to to pick and choose uh, wisely. And so, uh, if you for your listeners out there, if you don't know, we're on KDOC uh, TV live high school basketball for the first time since Ross Porter and Sandy Koufax did it back on Channel Four in the seventies. Wow. That's it's going back a few years there, Paul. Well, exactly. I, and I'm probably the only guy that remembers that those guys were and on. And Randy Rosenblum <laughs> remembers as well. Well, this is true. I think we've set the record that we broke last year for the oldest broadcast team in Los Angeles. That is crazy that 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 number Randy and Paul uh, you're not old, you're experienced, my friend. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, the check's in the mail. All right. Well, Paul, I'd like to thank you for coming on, taking the time. I know you're busy. I know you're prepping for games. Uh, thank you very much, and I look forward to our paths crossing sometime in the very near future. Um, have a great game this Friday night and all through the playoffs. Thank you, Tony. You're the best. Look forward to working with you again, however that happens. All right, and hopefully it will. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe. If you're interested in advertising, please hit me up via email at tonymoskal at gmail.com or via Twitter at Tony Moskal.
Enjoy the basketball playoffs. Spring sports are just around the corner. We'll have some guests for you on the podcast uh, with baseball and lacrosse. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.